Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Really? Oh, my goodness. I need you on my side. Let's go. All right. Are you doing all right? Thanks for being here. Yes. Thanks for all of you that are online. Happy Father's Day. I uh, hope that uh, your day has started out pretty well. Uh, I'm going to give you a little, uh, some facts, all right, about Father's Day, Mother's Day, and the church. Let's start out that way today. Here's the deal. Did you know that Mother's Day is one of the highest attended services of the year behind Christmas and Easter? And did you know that Father's Day, <laughs> look around, is one of the lowest attended services of the year, okay? Come back to that in a second. Something else you, you may not know, or maybe you just never realized it, uh, a pastor buddy have told me this a, a few years back. He, he said, have you ever noticed that on Mother's Day, we talk about how great moms are, and on Father's Day, we talk about how terrible dads can be? Have you ever noticed that before? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the way that it has happened in churches. I'm going to let you rest assured. Here's the deal. First, if you're a dad and you're here this morning, thank you so much for being a part of the journey. Thanks for being online with us. If you're at home with sick COVID kids, whatever it may be, we really appreciate you guys being with us today. You got plenty of time to go watch the rest of the U.S. Open, right? It's coming on this afternoon. None of you care, but I do. Will Zalatoris, Wake Forest guy. Hopefully he'll win today. Uh, you got time to go grilling. You got time to do that. You got time for people to massage your toes, your feet, whatever it is you've been promised. So thanks for hanging out with us today. And here's the other thing, dads. It's a bash-free zone, okay? So today, deep breath. I'm not going to bash dads today, all right? We're going to let that go because you've probably heard that quite a bit. But uh, it's kind of interesting. It is Dad's Day, Father's Day, because we're going to talk about a guy who becomes a dad, all right? And if you've been with us, you know we've been talking about this guy named Abraham in our series called Once Upon a Time. Now, in this series, if you've been with us, you know that God came to Abraham and gave Abraham these four promises. God said, here are these four promises, Abraham. They're for you, for you alone. Uh, here's what I want you to do to Abraham. I want you to leave this place called uh, where you're living, Haran, and I want you to move to this place called Canaan. This is going to be your land. This is where I want you to go. And, and so we begin the story with God jumping into Abraham's life, making these promises, telling him to move. But then as we look, and if we looked over the past couple of weeks, and as Kathleen said, if you've been reading along with us, you know that there's impatience in Abraham. There's questions Abraham has for God. There's doubts that are present. And so Abraham is kind of trying to figure this whole thing out. God's made these promises. Nothing seems to be happening. And so like we saw last week, Abraham and his wife Sarah take matters into their own hands. So what happens last week, again, if you were here, you know this. If you weren't, let me give you a real quick recap. Sarah gives her maidservant Hagar to Abraham and says, hey, you can go with her, see what happens. Well, she actually becomes pregnant. Hagar becomes pregnant, and she's going to have a child. Now, we stopped right there. If you were to keep reading through the chapter, uh, chapter 16 of Genesis, you'll find, and we did talk about this part, Hagar leaves, right? She runs away. Well, when she does that, God finds her. God knows where she is. God comes to her and says, Hagar, here's the deal. I want you to go back. Go back to Abraham. Go back to Sarah. I want you to live there. You're going to have a son. His name's going to be Ishmael. I love this part. God says he's going to be really crazy. <laughs> he's going to be really hard to live with. But this is your son. Go back. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of your son. Just go back to Abraham and Sarah. And so at the age of 86... Abraham has a kid, all right? Not with Sarah, but with Hagar. 
And so that leads us into chapter 17. And we're going to spend all of our time in Genesis 17 this morning. And we're going to read most of it. But Genesis chapter 17, starting with verse 1, says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Now, do a little bit of math here. Uh, this means about 13 years have passed since Genesis chapter 16 to Genesis chapter 17. Um, and in that time, of course, Ishmael has, has been born. We really have zero information about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael during that time period. There, there's, there's nothing that's there. That doesn't mean that God hasn't still been connecting with Abraham or Abraham with God. But here in chapter 17, God shows back up and reaffirms those promises with Abraham. But, but as we read here, we notice that, that God gives a few additions too. First, God asks Abraham to devote himself to God. He says, I, I need you to devote yourself to me. And then he asks Abraham to live this blameless life. And so even with all the impatience, taking matters into their own hands, the doubt that is there, here's God who comes back to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to follow me. Be faithful to me. Live this blameless life. And if you do these things, God says, I will bless you. Look at verse 3. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. You, it will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Here's God reaffirming these early promises. And do you notice something here? We talked about this last week. Like, God doesn't give any details. What does God do? God's given a lot of details here, lots of specifics to Abraham. He changes his name from Abram, which meant the father of many, to, to Abraham, which meant father of many nations. He tells him, you're going to have kings that are going to be a part of your descendants. And if you know a little bit about the genealogy of, of Abraham, you know that kings come from his, his family line. And then God says, hey, that, that land that you're in right now, I'm going to promise that to you and your descendants forever. And so we find here that, that God is expanding and reaffirming those promises. Verse 9. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. If you were with us two weeks ago, we talked about how God made this covenant with Abraham. And Abraham had these animals, cut them in half, laid them out. And God walks through those animals. Now, if you remember, Abraham didn't have to do anything. But, but if you look at this right here, God is asking Abraham if he is all in. God, God said, hey, I've made a covenant with you. I told you that I'm all in. I'm going to make these promises come true. And now, now I need you to be all in too. Why would God say this to Abraham? I mean, 24 years have passed since that promise came out. Why is God coming to Abraham now saying, hey, it's time for you to say you're all in? You remember how we talked about God's timing? That God's timing is not our timing. Well, this is God's timing. 
God's ready to do something. God's ready to act. God's ready to move. And so God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to do what I'm going to call you to do, what I've promised that I would give to you? Are you ready for this? And really, God wants Abraham, shall we say, to have a little skin in the game. And I mean that literally. Look at verse 10. Terrible pastor joke. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. Happy Father's Day, guys, right? (laughs) God's like, hey, if you want this to happen, Abraham, if you want to be a part of this, this is what I need from you. All the males in your household, every single one of them, they need to be circumcised. And here's what's funny again. God comes back and gives details, details that probably Abraham didn't want. Verse 11 You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. When our uh, oldest was born, she was born in New Jersey, and um, it was me, Kara, and it's a girl, by the way, but it's me, Kara, and uh, the anesthesiologist are in the hospital room, and uh, the anesthesiologist is there to give Kara the epidural, because we believe in medicine, and um, (laughs) I I know some of you don't, that's totally fine, but um, so uh, the doctor's like, hey, uh, you know, I really don't want to bring a nurse in, can you help me out? And I was like, sure. So I went over and grabbed that 25-inch long needle and stuck it right in Kara's back. I didn't really do that. Uh, I was like, what do you need me to do? He said, I need you to stand right here upside the bed. And Kara was sitting with her legs over the edge of the bed. And he said, now, Kara, I want you to lay your head in Chad's chest. And then I'm going to you know, put this, this 25-inch long needle in, in your back. And so I, I'm standing there doing everything I'm, I'm supposed to do. Next thing you know, the doctor's like yelling at Kara. He's like, hey. Kara, you need to stop moving. Kara's like, it's not me. And I said, guys, I need to sit down. <laughs> I'm getting a little woozy right now. It wasn't the needles. Needles don't bother. It was the smell of the betadine. Like something about that got me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So the doctor's like, sit down, sit down, sit down. And they, they sent in a, brought in a nurse. And, of course, they took care of Kara first, which was great. And I'm sitting there kind of woozy and I was the laughing stock of that hospital room for the rest of the day, which was fine with me, too. Now, now, you're probably thinking, why would you tell us that story? I imagine Abraham hears all these details from God, and he's getting a little woozy at this moment, right? (laughs) He's like, well, hold up a second. God, all you had to do was walk through some dead animals. And now, this is what you're asking me to do? (laughs) I mean, that's... That seems a little bit crazy, God. And you know what, God? I'm not, I'm not feeling so good. I feel a little woozy. I might have to sit down here. Because here's God asking Abraham to do something pretty big. Now, let's kind of think about this. Why is God asking this of Abraham? Like, like why circumcision? Why not tattoos? Why can't God have said, hey, I want all the males to have a little butterfly tattoo right on the lower part of their back? Why not do that, right? I mean, that's a little painful, but, but at least, you know, it's maybe not quite as painful. 
Or, or nose rings would, would have been great. How about nose rings for all the males? Um, or, or, you know, God, what if you just put a little lightning bolt in everybody's forehead? Whatever it takes. Why does God say, hey, I want you to circumcise yourself and every single male that is a part of your household? I, I, I think that um, there's a reason why God does this. And so I'm going to say some things right now that might make you feel uncomfortable, but it's church and it's in here and stay with me. And I'm going to be careful how I say this because I, I know we might have some kids in here. I, I'm not sure there's anything that's more important to a man than his, his manhood, okay? I'll let you figure that part out. Where is it that we find that most men mess up? It's not with their nose. It's not with an ear, it's not with our toes, right? So often it is with our manhood. I mean, I, I want you to just think about everything maybe you've read or seen on, on the news this past week. You're going to find there's a good chance there's stories of dudes that have messed up because of their manhood. In fact, if you're kind of in the religious world, a little bit the church world, you, you know there are a couple of denominations that are really had some stuff going on there, and it was all because men had been messing up with, with their, their, their manhood. You talk to people who are going through divorce or whose, whose marriages are breaking up, there's a pretty good chance that something's going on because of the guy messing up with, with his manhood. But I mean, any walk of life, right? Dudes are messing up because of, of their, their manhood. Here is, is God who understands that this is the one area on a man where man can do his greatest good, okay? And, and what I'm talking about here is procreation. That man can do his greatest good. And it's also this place where man can do some of the most evil things you could think of. We had a great example of that last week, right? When Abraham and Sarah take matters into their own hands. Now, I don't believe God is asking Abraham to do this because this is punishment, okay? The guy's saying, hey, you messed up. You did some things you shouldn't have done, Abraham. Uh, you took steps and matters into your own hands, and so this is punishment for you. Here's the actions you've got to take to, to, you know, to say you're sorry for this. Uh, that, uh, that is not why God asked this uh, of Abraham. I think it's God saying, there's this part of you that is protected that is important that is in some ways powerful and i need to know abraham that you are all in in such a way that i'm going to ask you to do something that you're going to think is absolutely crazy but it's going to show me that i am more important than anything else in your life and so god asked abraham to circumcise himself and all the males in his home. Now, I do need to let you know, circumcision was happening in that time period. It was done widespread throughout Palestine. Um, if you go to Egypt, you would find that in some of the upper class, that that was a part of that. The only people that really didn't do that in the area were the Philistines. And if you know the story of the Philistines, they were seen as the crazy people. And the big reason they were seen as crazy and wild was because that they didn't circumcise themselves. Um, but, but it was a practice that was put in place, but it was actually about manhood. It was about you moving into to manhood. So you didn't have a bar mitzvah, right? What you had was a circumcision, 
and uh, you weren't getting gifts, you were getting cut on. So, you know, as you're this kid, you're like, thanks, Mom and Dad, I really appreciate the celebration we're having today. Um, but it really was about prepping these young, young men, these, these boys, into manhood and getting them ready for marriage and also getting them ready for, for sex. And so here is, is God who is asking Abraham to do one of the boldest things ever. He says, circumcise your body. Circumcise all the other males in your household to show that now you are making this covenant with me. That you are fully in. And so Abraham does what God says. Uh, verses 15 to 16, we're going to skip over here because uh, we find God changes Sarai's name to Sarah, gives some promises to her. But look at verse 17. It says, And Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. My... Uh, my last grandparent passed away in 2014. Granny Ferris uh, is what we called her, because that was her name. But um, she was funny. She was definitely spacey, but she was, she was funny. She was hilarious. We, we loved her like crazy. Probably my favorite grandparent. And, uh, and by the way, I kind of shared this with some people recently for some reason. She had like the smoothest skin in the world. Her secret was Noxzema. Do you guys remember Noxzema? Anybody? I think it's outlawed in like 32 states now. But, man, she used it every single day. She's 95 years old. There wasn't a wrinkle on her face. Now, again, I don't know what it was in Noxzema, but everybody said, your grandmother has the smoothest skin. Anyway, totally beside the point. She was 95 years old when she passed, okay? Her memory was shot. She would ask you the same questions 25 times. She was still pretty funny. But I can tell you, I would look at her at the age of 95, and maybe you've got parents or grandparents that are that age right now, and here's what you would say. She ain't having no more babies, right? Here is Abraham, who's 99 years old. His wife would have been 89 years old. And what is God doing? God's still promising Abraham and Sarah a son. Think about that. Here's Abraham who hears this, and what does it say he does? It says he laughs to himself in disbelief. There's still that bit of doubt there, right? There's still some questions for God. Maybe he's thinking, God, God, you are crazy. There's this, this kind of doubt that's still there. And so he says, hey, 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 God, <laughs> I mean, can Ishmael have these blessings? And God says, no. He says, Abraham... Next year, this time, you and Sarah will have a son. Look at verse 23. On the very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, including those born there and those he had bought. Then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins, just as God had told him. Now, listen to me. We're not talking about like eight to ten dudes, okay? Again, if you've been reading along, and I, I kind of mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, there was this moment where Abraham brings together these 318 trained men that were part of his household, right? And they went to go fight and go bring back Lot because Lot had been kidnapped, his nephew. So we talked about that. Abraham had a, had a big family. This was a big group. This was like a, a small village that was existing. Uh, Abraham was very wealthy at this point. And so you've got probably hundreds of guys that this is going to happen to. They're going to be circumcised. But can you imagine like that conversation that day? Like, hey, um, hey, everybody, come here. We're, we're going to have a special staff meeting this afternoon. 
Uh, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go back home and grab a bag of frozen peas, because that's going to come in handy. And you're probably going to need somebody to carry you home, because uh, it's not going to be a, a whole lot of fun. Don't ask. Don't ask me. I, I don't know why. Just be back at two sharp. It's very important that, that you're here. I mean, can you just imagine what this is like for, for all these guys? And again, some of them are probably reaching Abraham's age, too. But here's what's important here. Abraham did what he was asked. Abraham says, I am all in. Look at verse 24. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, was 13. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on that same day, along with all the other men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or bought as servants, all were circumcised with him. Again, not your normal father-son time together. But every male in that household, anybody that was connected to Abraham was circumcised. And it was all done with a flint knife that was even a little bit more there. I mean, just kind of think about what we've just talked through and what we've just read, Okay. Fifteen years earlier, God makes this covenant with Abraham, walks through these dead animals. And now here's Abraham who's being asked to make a covenant with God. God wants Abraham to take some responsibility in this too. And God wants Abraham to give God the sign that, that Abraham is all in. And Abraham complies to show that he is willing to do what it takes to fully follow God. So, what do these strange events mean for us today? Yeah, it doesn't mean we, we kind of sit back and say to circumcise or not to circumcise. That's the question, right? Am I supposed to be circumcised if I'm a dude? If I have a son, do I circumcise my son? Here's the deal. That's between you and your wife. That's between you and your family. That, that's, that's a personal decision you make. This moment right here is very specific to Abraham and his family. This circumcision that is taking place right here. And so we might say, so why do I care? Do I just read these events like here's just some nice information and, you know, I read this and God might have been a little crazy and just kind of move on from this? Well, think about the story again, right? God makes a covenant with Abraham, walks to the animals, says, I'm all in for this. I'm going to fulfill these promises. Now here we have Abraham is making a covenant with God through circumcision. Now think about this for a second. Think about that word covenant. We talked about this two weeks ago. The Hebrew word for covenant means to cut a contract. And I told you that word cut in the Hebrew means bloodshed, okay? So what we have right here really is, I think, a starting point now with Abraham's involvement and connection to God. This is Abraham's moment where he is saying, I want this personal relationship with God. And so this circumcision was, was really this outward symbol of something that was happening spiritually within Abraham. Abraham saying, I will follow you, God. But I want you to also notice this isn't just for Abraham. This is for the whole family. This was a reminder this covenant was, was for a larger community of people. And so God's asking Abraham to live out this covenant, but God's also asking this group of people, Abraham's family, the people that are part of his, his household, he's asking them to be a part of this covenant too. It's almost like there's some accountability there, right? And, and so all of them are in this together. But again, the question is, how does this connect with us today? 
Well, here's the connection between the story of Abraham and, and our story today. God made a covenant with us too. And that covenant for us came through Jesus. That, that covenant, that, that bloodshed, if you will, there was Jesus being given to us, being nailed upon that cross, that blood being shed. That's that moment that covenant was made with God for you and for me, for all of, of humanity. And this was a new covenant. In fact, Jesus talks about this in Luke twenty two twenty. 20. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus says, I am here to be this new covenant for you. Like God made a covenant with Abraham about 2,000 years earlier, but this is this new covenant. And this isn't just for, for a particular group of people. This isn't just for Abraham's people. This is for, for all humanity that God sent Jesus to be this new covenant. And this a new covenant was made for you and for me. But, like we find with Abraham, God asked something of us too. God asked us to make a covenant with God. And how do we do that? Well, we don't do it through circumcision, okay? We do it through baptism. We, we follow in the example of Jesus who was crucified, buried, and came back to life. And, and we do this through our bodies going inside that water and, and coming back out of that with this new life, right? To show our commitment to God. To say, hey God, you sent your new covenant through Jesus and now I'm committing to be all in here too. And so our circumcision today is our baptism. This, this outward symbol of the spiritual reality that's happening inside of us. In fact, if you even look deeper into Scripture, what you find is that in that moment, there's something supernatural that happens. We're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just an, this amazing moment where we say, God, I am all in. And there's a gift that comes when we take that step. I like the way Paul puts it in Colossians 2. He says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. See, for us, baptism is this, this covenant we make with God, and, and it's really where we say, God, I know I'm not perfect. I've got questions. I know I'm impatient with you. I have doubts. I'm still trying to figure this out. But here's the deal, God. I'm all in. I'm all in to follow Jesus. And I'm going to show you that I'm all in through this act of baptism. That God, as you made a covenant with me through Jesus, I'm going to make a covenant with you through this act of baptism. And when we take that step, it shows we desire, like Abraham, this this personal connection, this personal relationship with Jesus. Now, too often in the church world, that's where we stop. And you hear people, maybe you said it before, I know I've said it in the past, like, hey, it's all about my personal relationship with Jesus, right? My personal relationship with God. But that's only a small part of it. It's about something bigger than that, okay? Because if we go back to Abraham, God doesn't say, Abraham, I just need you to do this. God says, Abraham, I need you to do this, and I need everybody in your household that's a male to do this, because this is about something that's a covenant that's for all of you. 
And so we talk about taking that step of baptism. We talk about this personal relationship. That's just a small part of it. It's about all of us together. It's almost like there's accountability built in, right? It's this moment of saying, hey, this is a decision I'm making for myself, but I'm making it with you. I'm making it in this church community, that there's something bigger that's happening here, that we're going to do this together. We're going we're gonna to work to follow Jesus together. And so our baptism moment, that covenant we're making with God, it's not just about me. It's about us. It's about those of us that have taken that step in our lives. And so maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and you've never taken that step of baptism. Man, this is a huge step in your spiritual journey. This outward symbol, this, this spiritual reality is taking place within you. Maybe you have questions, maybe you have doubts, but, but that's okay. That's, that's why we're here. We're here to answer those questions and maybe help you walk through some of those doubts. And if you've never taken that step to, to follow Jesus through baptism, we invite you to, to do that. We invite you to ask questions about that. There's a connection card in the seat in front of you. You can fill that out and drop that off in one of our offering boxes or take it to our guest tent. You can hit that QR code in the seat in front of you. You can fill out the connection card there and say, hey, I'd like to talk about baptism. If you're online, there's a connection card button there. You can do the exact same thing. We want to help you, okay, fulfill your end of that covenant with God. Because God has said, I'm making a new covenant with you, and now it's your turn. Are you willing to take that step and make that covenant with God too? There's another step here for us, and it goes back to Luke 22. I'm going to read verse 19 and then reread 20. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, our agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. This is that moment in Jesus' life where he institutes the Lord's Supper, uh, communion. And every week as a church, we, we come together and we take it together. And you know what? As we do that, it should actually take us back 4,000 years to Genesis chapter 12, 3. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That promise, one of those four promises God makes to Abraham comes true with Jesus, with Jesus being sent to this earth. And so as we look back at the life of Abraham, as we think about that promise that comes true, as we think about God's covenant with Abraham, and then Abraham's covenant with God. Maybe communion is that time each week that we can know that promise came true, and yet God came back to us and said, now I want to make a covenant with you through Jesus. And here's what I'm asking from you. Will you make a covenant with me? That is a reminder to us when we take communion of that new covenant with God. It's a reminder of, of God is with us through Jesus. It's a reminder of our circumcision to say we're all in. It's a reminder of our personal connection with God. But it's also a reminder that we're in this together. And all of this points back to 4,000 years ago with the story of Abraham. And as we have watched Abraham, I think here in chapter 17, you know what we see? We see that those doubts are still there, but that his faith has grown. 
I mean, he laughs about having a kid at the age of 99 or, or be 100 when it happens. But yet he's willing to do what God has asked of him. Even if some of those doubts are still there. To show that he was all in. Where's our faith right now in our own life? Is our faith growing even with impatience and doubt and questions with God? Because I think when we look at the life of Abraham, we see that God says, hey, I'm going to do this, and God does it. I think God says, hey, I'm going to do this, and yet we still pull away. But God says, here's the deal. Here's my covenant for you through Jesus Christ. And now are you willing to make that covenant with me? Again, maybe for some of us it's taking that step of baptism. But for all of us, it's that time that we spend together in communion every single week when we can say, you know what, God? I'm all in. And I remember the covenant I made with you. May our faith continue to grow even when those doubts may be there as we focus on the covenant that we are called into with God through Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. Um, we read the story of Abraham and, and what you asked of him, and, and he followed you. Uh, God, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, we only get bits and pieces here. I can't even imagine everything going through his head and everything that, that he's questioning. And I can't imagine the, the people, the other males there that were like, what is going on here? I can't imagine what all of that was like. But Abraham said, all right, God, I'm all in. God, I know that for many of us, we have doubts. We're impatient. We have questions for you. But my prayer, God, is that we understand like the covenant you made with Abraham, you made with us too through Christ. You've already told us that you're all in. And now you're asking us to say the same thing for you. And so, God, I pray that we can take that step in our life. If it's baptism, we need to take that step. If it's not, God, if, we, if we've already been baptized, maybe it's every single week being reminded as we take communion together that we're all in. Or, or maybe, God, we're not quite all in. And, and today as we take, maybe there's a moment where we look back at the story of Abraham and say, I need to be more like that. And so lead us in our life, God, when it comes to our faith and growing it and how you work and being reminded of that covenant through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.